Before we get into this episode of the summer series around just nutrition for athletes, specifically in the high school setting, there is a part one. You have not missed it. Um, it got recorded in a different way, and we are in the process of tracking that down to see if we can't clean that up to get that to be a part of this series. So, yes, while AJ introduces it as part two of the summer series that is correct you would not miss something in the feed uh we will get that out and let everybody know as soon as we do if we can track that down that being said this is a standalone episode and should provide a really good amount of information for you uh, when it comes to nutrient timing hello everyone welcome to part two of our summer sport nutrition series for high school athletes uh, so in this episode, we're going to get into some more specifics on nutrient timing strategies for young athletes. If you remember back to our first episode, we kind of provided a general overview of sport nutrition, how it can help improve performance, recovery, just kind of optimize health of the athlete as a whole. And so in this episode, we're just going to get into some more specifics about when we should be eating some of these different foods in relation to sleep, uh, performance, training, and so forth. So if you haven't caught the first episode, I highly recommend going back and watching and listening to that one first, uh, because we're just going to be expanding on some of the topics that were discussed in that first episode. So just kind of a, a brief refresher of some of that. And again, kind of tying into the nutrient timing element here. So if we look at nutrition strategies as a whole for athletes, again, eating the right kinds of foods um, and getting enough fuel throughout the day is really going to help that athlete reach kind of optimal performance or hit their true potential. And so if we specifically look at when we're ingesting these nutrients, we can just kind of take things to the next level because when you consume some of these foods throughout the day, again, particularly in relation to when you're lifting, working out, or what time that game might be, we can kind of optimize the, the availability of some of those nutrients at certain times. So again, it's just gonna help you maybe train a little bit harder, uh, compete at your best, and then maybe jumpstart that recovery process that much faster. So if we look at just the overall kind of rationale behind nutrient timing, it really comes down to when we look at what your body is going through during a practice or during a lift or during the game itself, you're depleting some of your, your nutrient stores, your fuel reserves, and then you're also putting your body under a lot of stress. And that's specifically what we need to recover from when we look at getting that body ready uh, for the next practice, for the next game, or just kind of recovering from that overall training program as a whole. And so your body after and even sometimes during these periods of physical activity is actually in a very primed state to use those nutrients and kind of capitalize on their benefits as soon as possible. So usually when we're discussing nutrient timing strategies, we can kind of look at it either a food distribution throughout the day. So how frequently you're eating meals and snacks they're over throughout like a 24 hour period, or we can get even more specific and look at in relation to a certain practice or a game itself, what are things that you should be eating before that game, potentially during, and then after. And so if we look at the pre-nutrient timing kind of rationale, the goal here is to really make sure that athlete is adequately fueled to make sure when that game starts or when that practice starts, they're adequately hydrated, they have enough energy to fuel them through that practice or that game. 
Um, and again, they, they just have the right fuel source to draw from to help them train 100% effort, uh, obviously compete at their best if we're talking about a game, and then also making sure they're adequately hydrated so that they don't start that game in an already dehydrated state. Because if you don't have adequate fuel reserves, if you're already dehydrated, there's no way you're going to be able to perform at your best. And again, that's important, whether we're talking just a practice or a game and competition itself. So again, we want to make sure that athlete is adequately fueled. Breakfast is going to be an important first step in this process, right? That's the first opportunity in the day to get those key nutrients in. Uh, and then overall, we really just don't want to be in a situation where we're competing or training in a hungry state. Okay, so that's kind of the rationale when we look at the pre-window in terms of nutrient timing. During, the goal is really just going to be making sure that you're maintaining hydration status. So you, you've consumed enough fluids, you're replacing them throughout the, the game or the practice itself. So again, you're, you're preventing any kind of dehydration from occurring throughout that practice or game itself. Sometimes in longer events, so if we look at beyond an hour, um, there are some things that you may want to consider eating or even drinking that may have sugar and, and calories and things like that to help you continue to train and compete at a high level. This is really important in, in really long distance types of events, you know, marathons and beyond triathlons and such. And then, so if we look at the post nutrient timing window, this is really the opportunity to jumpstart that recovery process as soon as possible. So again, if we look at what happened during that two hour basketball game or, or race or football game or whatever we're talking about, you depleted a lot of your fuel stores. Um, you, you potentially kind of caused some micro damage of some of your tissues, muscle, connective tissue and things like that. And so for those two reasons, we need to make sure we're consuming energy to replenish our used fuel stores, and then also providing some key nutrients, uh, things like carbohydrates and proteins to really jumpstart that recovery process, help um, kind of heal some of those damaged tissues. And then even if we look at, you know, maybe a strength conditioning program, that's actually the, the window, the timing window where you experience those increases in you know, muscle mass and strength and things like that. And so again, ingesting the right nutrients at the right time are going to go a long way in those situations. So we're just going to kind of take a nutrient by nutrient, um, you know, view here and, and discuss those three macronutrients we mentioned in the first episode. And again, kind of highlight some key recommendations surrounding those types of nutrients. So with carbohydrates and nutrient timing strategies, like again, carbohydrates are the go-to fuel source for athletes, particularly ones uh, performing high intensity bouts of activity. So that's uh, what you can kind of think of as gas that's being put in your fuel tank. So it makes sense that prior to that competition or game, we're consuming enough of these carbohydrates, uh, meaning we're putting enough gas in the fuel tank to provide that energy for you to draw on during your actual competition itself. So if we were to calculate out what these values should look like, we'd want to consume about 0.5 to 0.65 grams of carbohydrate per every pound of body weight, okay? And we can kind of split this up in terms of different nutrient timing windows. So that would be kind of what we would recommend in the post-exercise window for about four to six hours after the event itself. If we go beforehand, that recommendation is gonna shift a little bit. We'd wanna go about 0.45 to 1.8 grams of carbohydrate per every pound of body weight. Okay, so you can just take how much you weigh, multiply that by 0.45 or 1.8, somewhere kind of within that window. And that gives you an idea of what, what amounts of carbohydrates you'd want to try to aim for 
during these different time points. So here on this slide, we can see what is recommended maybe prior to that event. Uh, as we get closer to the event or practice itself, maybe smaller amounts of carbohydrates. So things like just a piece of banana, uh, you know, toast, uh, just kind of small sources, applesauce, things like that an hour before during. Um, things like sports drinks are probably going to be the best option there to get good sources of carbohydrates during that event. And it really only is going to make a difference, again, if we get into the longer distance um, or long duration types of activity. So if your event, your practice, your, your training session, whatever is beyond an hour, that's where we could maybe try to start including anywhere from 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour. Okay. And then afterwards, again, going back to that 0.45, 0.54 grams of carbohydrate per pound of body weight. So again, it's one thing to see these numbers and calculations on a slide. If we look at what this actually equates to in this table, you can kind of get a summary of the carbohydrate content of very common foods and sports drinks or, or gels in terms of different things that you could be consuming in these different nutrient timing windows. So again, as we get closer to that competition or even during, you know, things like sports drinks make a great option. And not only are you providing fluids to maintain hydration status, you're also <clears throat> providing a, a very readable, available, readily, readily available source of carbohydrate. So that means it's very easy to digest, typically easy on the stomach. And again, they can kind of provide that fast acting, fast acting form of carbohydrate. So these are great options immediately before and even during that competition itself. Whereas if we were to start looking, you know, three to four hours prior to the event, you know, things like rice, pasta, starchy vegetables, bagels, can easily provide a good source of those carbohydrates to be consuming, you know, before that event itself. So if we look at protein, uh, again, protein is a very valuable nutrient in terms of providing the building blocks that your body, specifically muscle, needs to kind of repair itself. And then certainly for putting on more muscle through our training program, we need to provide those additional building blocks to build up that muscle tissue over time. So in the, the pre window in terms of nutrient timing strategies, you know, aiming for about 20 to 40 grams of protein, you know, maybe 30 to four, excuse me, three to four hours prior to training competition, that would be kind of a good um, target to aim for. So that could be in the form of whole food sources or in things like a protein bar or chocolate milk, um, you know, these yogurt drinks ready to go types of options, either or uh, would be fine to get that protein in before the training or event itself. During competition or training, it's not really needed to be consuming any type of protein serving. Uh, again, the, the focus should be more so be on maintaining hydration status, maybe getting in some additional carbohydrates, you know, from things like sports drinks, as we mentioned earlier. That's probably the only thing you'd want to focus on uh, during that competition itself. Whereas post or after the game, this is probably, in my opinion, the most important time to be focusing on getting in good sources of protein after the event, because again, that's when your body is very much primed to benefit from these added uh, proteins and amino acids that make up our proteins, uh, because again, those provide those building blocks to help repair that damaged tissue and then build up lean muscle mass over time. Oftentimes combining the, a good source of protein with carbohydrates is ideal because then you're getting the best of both worlds there in terms of replenishing your fuel stores, uh, adding it with the protein to help 
um, kind of stimulate that recovery process. So again, any of these options would be great. You could certainly get your protein from whole food sources, you know, grilled chicken, uh, lean meats, fish, things like that. Some of these just maybe offer a more convenient source of the proteins, you know, as you're walking out of a gym or, or soccer match and things like that. Uh, these yogurt drinks are, taste great. And again, they're a little bit more convenient some, than some of those whole food options might be. Another thing that I like to emphasize with, with protein intake throughout the day is to try to get an even distribution throughout the day at each meal, whether it's a, a full meal or even snack. Ideally, we want to be in this bottom situation here. Let's say your daily protein target would be about 90 grams that you you would like to consume throughout the day. Well, ideally we want to kind of split that up into about three even doses if possible. So that would mean each meal throughout the day, if we were just eating three meals, would consist of about 30 grams of protein kind of evenly distributed throughout the day. What we don't really want is kind of a lopsided intake where we consume 90% of our protein late at night at dinner time, uh, because again, you want to make sure you're providing your body with some of these key nutrients evenly distributed throughout the day so that you can kind of continually benefit them, benefit from them um, again throughout the day, not just all at once in one serving. I provided some examples here of some, you know, good sources of protein or some kind of smoothie protein shake ideas. If you're looking at how to kind of blend some of these things up to make them more convenient to just kind of grab and go options. So here we just kind of have some different tiers of whether you're trying to consume something on the, the small end or lighter end uh, versus, you know, someone who's training really, really hard or really trying to put on weight and muscle. Um, you know, maybe this bottom smoothie or recipe would be a better option in those types of situations. So our last macronutrient, fats. Um, again, very important. We discussed this in the first episode, but in terms of nutrient timing, it's actually one of the nutrients that you may want to kind of stay away from a little bit just because fats can slow the digestion process down, meaning that food, if you're eating a very fatty meal, might just kind of sit in your stomach for a longer period of time. Um, so oftentimes it's recommended not to eat very fatty meals or high fat type foods immediately before any training or competition. A little bit, you know, things like trail mix, a cheese stick, um, you know, little bites and things like that are going to be okay uh, leading up to, to training or practice and things like that. But I certainly wouldn't recommend eating a 72 ounce ribeye um, as you're walking out the door to practice or a game. A lot of that's fairly common sense, right? People have probably learned the hard way of what happens if you eat a very greasy, fatty meal, and then again, try to go work out or practice, lift, uh, compete and so forth. So generally it's recommended not to consume a lot of high fat foods immediately around the training time. And that goes for pre, during, or post any kind of practice or competition we might be doing. So if we look at some more uh, kind of specific examples here, some pregame fueling tips, you actually get the most bang for your buck <laughs> addressing fueling needs the day before competition. So I get asked this a lot, what should I eat before a game? And I usually say, well, there's not a lot you can eat immediately before a game that's gonna make a huge impact on performance in a positive way. There are things that you could eat before a game that could negatively impact performance, right? And we just got done providing some examples there of really fatty, greasy foods. 
um, because it really takes a long time for that digestion, absorption, nutrient delivery process to occur. Meaning you can't eat a big pasta meal an hour before the game and expect all of that digested carbohydrates to be readily available as a fuel source. Okay, that process sometimes can take upwards to 24 hours uh, to fully occur. So that's why, again, eating a high carbohydrate meal the night before a game is a much better option than trying to cram that in, again, as you're walking out the door to practice. So when it comes to pregame fueling tips and things like that, you know, ideally we'd want to consume maybe a middle to larger meal about that four hour type of window in terms of before the game was about to start. Um, and again, making sure we're avoiding some of those greasy foods, fatty foods and things like that. So you want to aim for more familiar kind of lighter, fair food options that, you know, sit well with your stomach. Okay. So wraps, sandwiches, you know, maybe meat, cheese, and some fruit. Um, you really want to try to avoid eating something new for the first time on game day. Okay. And a lot of that's kind of common sense, but again, just another kind of important reminder here. I recently attended a talk by Wendy Earlbeck, who's a great resource for nutrition strategies for young athletes. I highly recommend following her on social media if you don't already, but she has kind of developed this four to one method. I mean, four hours out, two hours out, one hour out. And then along that same timeline, we would kind of associate that with chew, nibble, and sip. So four hours out, we're chewing some larger type meal, two hours out, maybe just nibbling on some smaller snack type items. And then one hour out, really just focusing on small sips, maintaining hydration status, maybe consuming sports drinks and things like that. So I love that approach. I'm going to kind of modify a little bit. Um, from, you know, from Wendy, she's a good friend of mine. So if we look at that four hours out approach or that chewed type of situation, again, this could be a larger meal, um, you know, aiming for hundred to 200 grams of carbohydrates. So oatmeal, you know, pancakes, yogurt, parfait, uh, bagel, cream cheese, you know, toast, eggs, oatmeal, you know, familiar foods, things that taste good, good sources of carbohydrates, you know, all things like that are fine in that four hour kind of pre type of window. So just making sure that you are consuming some fluids with that to make sure you're adequately hydrated. And again, overall, we just want to eat, you know, good tasting foods that are comfortable, you know, somewhat comfort foods, but we know we tolerate well. Um, so that when it comes to practice or game time, we're not going out there on an empty stomach and we're not overly hungry. As we get closer to competition, that kind of two hours or nibble type of window, here again, opting for much smaller serving sizes. So maybe very, very light meals or snack type food items, pretzels and yogurt, string cheese, your fruit of choice, you know, applesauce and half a wrap or energy bars and things like that. Again, well-tolerated foods, low in fat, low in a lot of fiber. You know, those are, are things that you'd want to aim for in terms of kind of optimizing performance. And then as we get closer to that less than one hour, window, just kind of small sips, um, things like sports drinks, water and electrolytes, maybe something like an applesauce. Again, very, very light, small amounts of foods. And if you're someone who sometimes has an upset stomach before an important game and eating any of these things is going to make you sick, then don't worry about it. Okay. You, you know, your body better than anyone. So if, if any of these recommendations don't work well and you just make you more sick than anything again you stick with what seems to work best with you so i've provided some additional examples here of some different food or snack options in terms of that before 
um, you know, competition game type window between meals. And then again, some additional options for recovery snacks to get that recovery process started as soon as possible. This is a great infographic that I actually came across online that kind of incorporates some of these nutrient timing recommendations in terms of uh, surrounding the game itself, but then also kind of extends it out um, throughout the day on more of a kind of a complete nutrient timing type profile for an entire days in terms of how it would apply to competition you know before bed meal and things like that so this is adopted from a a, a nice review article that came out uh, that was specific for nutrient nutrient timing strategies for soccer players uh, this group adopted it for hockey players but we could take a lot of these same concepts and really apply it to any sporting event uh, as long as the nature of the sport is somewhat similar um, so for hockey and soccer, they're both kind of a mixture of high intensity intermittent bout types of activities. So again, we can apply a lot of the same sport nutrition strategies across both different or across both sport types. So here they have some great examples again of uh, things to consider when it comes to food and fluid um, you know, content for each of these snacks and meals throughout the day. Gives you some examples of some targets to hit in terms of the amounts provides examples of different food options. It could be go-to sources there. And again, it just kind of highlights what that breakdown of, of food schedules could look like throughout the day. Here I have an, another example. This is one that we went over in that first episode. Uh, so you've already seen this, but this just kind of highlights more of a food frequency distribution throughout the day. If the young athlete is going to school, has class, has practice after uh, the day of school and things like that. So it can be a challenge sometimes to get some of these food options in throughout the day, but the more prepared you can be ahead of time, uh, oftentimes the easier it'll be to hit some of these recommendations throughout the day. And so these next couple, again, are just more examples. I provided these in the first episode. So here they are again, just in case you haven't seen that first one, but any of these could be good options, kind of in that mid-practice or post-workout types of windows to get some of those key nutrients in at the right time. And again, just some additional snack options here. The last couple of slides are much more focused on the hydration side of things, both in terms of surrounding the performance window, but then also throughout the day. So if you haven't seen a figure like this, this is oftentimes used as kind of a practical guide to give you an indication if you're hydrated or dehydrated. So if you go to the bathroom and happen to pay attention to the urine color, ideally we want you somewhere here on the top end of this with lighter colored urine would be kind of an indication that you're um, adequately hydrated or consuming enough fluids throughout the day. Whereas if it's dark yellow, certainly brown, uh, means you're very dehydrated or there could even be some other medical issue going on. So this is the area that we wanna kind of stay away from on this type of a urine color chart. Uh, when it comes to rehydration, um, typically for every pound of fluid that you're losing during a game or practice or strength and conditioning workout, you'd want to replace it with about two to cup, two to three cups of fluid per every pound of body weight loss. So in my experience, most, most athletes will lose maybe one to two, sometimes three pounds of sweat or fluid during practice. That value might go up if you're working with a larger athlete or if it's outside and really, really hot, humid day. Some athletes could lose five upwards to seven pounds of fluid during a practice, practice itself. So again, that could require a pretty high amount of fluid volume um, to rehydrate after that practice or competition itself. 
Sports drinks, uh, electrolyte packets can also help in this rehydration and recovery process. Um, carbohydrates and electrolytes actually help you reabsorb these fluids that much better. Uh, oftentimes they improve taste, so you're more likely to consume more fluids. And uh, if they have carbohydrates in them, like a lot of these sports drinks will, that's again, replenishing some of those fluid, um, excuse me, fuel sources that you use during the game itself. So these can be good options to consider when it comes to rehydration as well. This chart actually kind of highlights how effective different fluid sources can be for rehydration. So here we have water and anything kind of to the right of this would indicate that they're a more readily available fuel source, or you're more likely to absorb more of that fluid compared to water alone. So things like oral rehydration solutions, Pedialyte is a common example of this. Um, your body is actually better able to absorb fluids from that source compared to water alone, or something like coffee, or you know, even sports drinks are, are down here comparatively to things like oral rehydration solutions, or even milk is a great recovery and rehydration beverage option. So again, if you're curious how different drinks compare to one another, uh, you can kind of review this to figure out which one might work best for you. And then similar with nutrients, we have kind of fluid timing strategies, if you will, throughout that day or surrounding competition itself. So four hours before, uh, maybe taking your body weight, multiplying it by two to three milliliters. And that will kind of give you an idea of how much fluid to be consuming in that four hour pre-window. As we get closer, a little bit less fluid intake, you don't want to kind of have that full stomach sloshing around type feeling when you're training. Uh, so as small as 1.3 to 2.2 mils of fluid uh, per pound body weight would be something to aim for. And then maybe using again, the urine color guide to give you some feedback there of how dehydrated you might be before that competition starts. Cause that's what we want to avoid at all costs. We don't want to start competition already dehydrated because it's likely just going to get worse as that game progresses. So again, making sure we're at least starting well hydrated just accepting the fact that you're likely to become progressively dehydrated as that game continues. Um, that's why again, during, we want to make sure we're mixing in you know, water breaks, things like that, sports drinks, maybe even electrolytes to kind of replenish some of those lost sources during that game or practice. And again, even more so if it's outside in a hot, humid day. And then afterwards, again, about two to three cups of fluid per every pound of body weight lost. So obviously in order to calculate that, you have to have a way to get some kind of pre-game or pre-practice body weight. And then again, you would get that same measurement afterwards. So sometimes it works well to have a scale in the locker room itself. So you kind of weigh yourself before and after, figure out how much fluid you're losing. One important thing, if you are doing that, uh, you would want to actually take off that uniform uh, when you're getting that post weight, because if you're sweating a lot and that sweat is just uh, stain in the clothes, like if your shirt is soaked with sweat and you get back on the scale, it's still going to look like you haven't lost very much, even though all that fluid is now in your shirt and instead of inside the body itself. So just one important thing, if you are getting those pre and post, um, you know, body weight assessments to determine rehydration guidelines, that's an important thing to consider. So hopefully this was helpful. Um, in our sport nutrition series, the next one will be focused on dietary supplements for athletes and different things to consider um, when choosing a supplement.